We have an origin story this morning. An origin story. We're going to be talking about Zechariah and Elizabeth. So, good morning. Um, it's December. We're approaching Christmas. We're going to be walking through. We, we talked about this in our business, business meeting last week. We're going to be walking through uh, the characters of Christmas. It's a, it's a little study that's been uh, developed actually by a local pastor. And um, he, he looks in this study, he looks into all of these different people who are directly involved in the Christmas story. So we're going to be looking at that, uh, kind of roughly following the outline of the book, uh, but, you know, developing our own, our own messages. So the, the church has made these books available to you. Uh, if, if you want one, I don't see them readily in front of me. Right here. Okay, sorry. I was looking back there. Yeah. So these are these are the books, and the churches are make the church is making these available to you at no cost. So please feel free to take one. Uh, it's a gift. Merry Christmas. Um, let's say a brief word of prayer, and then we'll get started. Father, we come to you this morning, and we thank you, Lord, for for your word. We thank you for this place to meet. I thank you for the brothers and sisters you've brought together here this morning, and for those who might be trying to understand what all this is about. Father, we pray that you will bless this, uh, this preaching and this reading of your word. Father, uh, you promised that your word does not return void. And Father, we, we know there's power in the truth of your word. Bless us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to say a quick word about story and character because the guide is called The Characters of Christmas. And boy, in this, in this modern age of media and entertainment, we're well familiar with stories and characters, aren't we? We've got, uh, we've got movies, we've got novels, we've got TV series we can watch. Uh, we're familiar with story. Uh, there are stories that are crafted as pure entertainment, some that, that try to have a message to teach uh, as an analogy. Um, some stories are designed to be very comfortable and predictable. Probably some of you are indulging in those Hallmark movies right now. They're highly predictable, but sometimes that's what you're going for, right? Um, some stories like to shock with twists, plot twists, or, or even evil things that happen. Uh, the characters in these stories can be very simple, or they can be sometimes very complex. They can be cartoonish, they can be realistic. Um, it depends on what's going on in the storyteller's purpose. We can become invested in these stories, right? We can even like or dislike these characters that are, you know, fictional inventions. Um, we can even become fans of these characters that don't even exist. But we use the same word, story and character, when we talk about the Bible and the people in it. And that's not wrong. But we do want to make a distinction, right? There's stories in the Bible. The whole story, the whole Bible contains a big story. And that's true. And the people in the Bible can fairly be described as characters. That's okay. But we got to keep one thing in mind always. When we talk about stories and characters in the Bible, we're talking about real people living real lives, real history. They're not invented characters. Well, God invented them. Um, but He invented them in the same sense that He invented you and I, right? Real people living real lives in real time. And that's 
That is the kind of character that we're going to be talking about. When God writes a story, he writes it in reality. Characters are living, human, living, breathing human beings. The whole complexity of reality is invested in each and every one. And we're going to look at these characters in this Christmas story, and I want you to keep in mind, this story is completely true. These things actually happened in a particular place, in a particular time. You could go to this place for a plane ticket and probably a, a bus ride. Um, you can go to the time because it's in the past. But what these events, what th- these events that are recorded, they're every bit as real as what happened to you yesterday. They just happened a little bit longer ago. Now we're going to look in Jesus' story as we go. When you look at the story, John the Baptist is quite a compelling character, is he not? Um, All the Gospels emphasize his role as the prophet who announces the coming of Messiah. He fulfills Isaiah's prophecy of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. He confounds the Pharisees. He calls for repentance. He baptizes Israelites who are longing for God to come and rescue Israel. But where did he come from? The Apostle John in his Gospel said, There came a man sent from God. His name was John. That's that's what John said. Matthew and Mark say basically the same thing with a few more words. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who's spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. So we get a little more flavor of what this guy is like. Strange, to be sure, in the fulfillment of prophecy. But where did he come from? Well, just like our modern movie makers, um, and they want to show us where these characters came from. We see uh, in Star Wars, there's, there's the first episode that introduces this arch villain, but then they go back and they, they tell you the origin story, where this guy came from, this Darth Vader guy. Spider-Man, Batman, we, we have these origin stories where they tell us where these people came from. And the cool thing is, Luke likes the origin story. So Matthew, Mark, and John give us, well, here's John the Baptist. He seems to appear out of nowhere. But Luke says, no, let's go look at where this guy came from. And aren't we blessed that he did? Because that's our passage this morning. Where did John come from? Um, I'm going to read, this is a fairly long section I'm going to read, and I'm actually going to strategically skip over a couple details about Mary that are sprinkled in here, because we're going to talk about Mary next week. Um, and so, let me, let me start here. From Luke chapter 1, if you want to follow along with me, hear the word of the Lord. This, well, let me just pause. This first part, I love this. This is Luke, like the scholar, explaining, this is what I want to do in this book that I'm writing. So listen to this first couple verses. I love it. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. This is Luke telling us, what he's doing with his gospel. He wants to give us an orderly account, and he's going to give us a lot of detail. 
In the days of King, in the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him into the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. When his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel, the same angel, was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. I'm going to skip a few verses here, but we know what happens here. The angel tells Mary, you're going to have, the Messiah is going to be your child. And her response, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. That's what she says. After that, in those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. After this is Mary's song, the Magnificat, where she blesses God. After that, Mary remained with her for about three months and returned to her home. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day, when they came to circumcise the child, and they would, they would have called him Zechariah after his father, but his mother answered, No, he shall be called John. And they said to her, 
none of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to his father inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, his name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed and he spoke, blessing God. And fear came on all their neighbors. And all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. And he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High for you will go before the Lord to prepare His ways, to give knowledge of salvation to His people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. This is the word of the Lord. We don't usually read quite that much text, but my goodness, what a storyteller Luke is, right? I, it's, it's hard to even skip over the merry parts. I, I didn't want to do it, but it, it felt like we were running long as I was, as I was preparing. Um, yes, so thanks be to God. This is a, 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 just an amazing uh, piece of scripture here. But I want to hit three con- concepts, three points here. Uh, what we see with Zechariah in the beginning is general belief and specific unbelief. Very interesting. That's the first point that I want to talk about, general belief and specific unbelief. Then faith grows in quiet. Faith grows in quiet, and then the Spirit pours out words of faith. So first, let me just notice a few things about Zechariah and Elizabeth that are worth paying attention to. They're both Levites. The Levites were the tribe of the priests. So both Zechariah and Elizabeth, his wife, they're both from Aaron's line, actually. They're, they're priests from Aaron's line. And it's very specific. Abijah, uh, Zechariah is from the, the division of Abijah, which is even further down the line, more specific. Uh, the, the, the people of Abijah were mentioned even in Nehemiah when they came back from exile. So Luke is very careful with his details here. That's that's Zechariah. Zechariah served in the temple. That was his duty. Uh, He he burned incense. He lived in a house in the hill country of Judea. Remember that, that Mary and Joseph were up in Nazareth in the north. This is fascinating to me. They're both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all commandments and statutes of the Lord. That's a pretty strong statement, actually. Zechariah and Elizabeth both blameless, both righteous before God. They're in good company in Scripture being called that. People like Enoch, Noah, Job get that kind of description. So that's, that's really pretty strong. 
They're both old, and they're childless because Elizabeth has been barren. Now, that's interesting, too, because often in that culture, barrenness was considered a curse from God. And a lot of people would have associated that with some guilt. You know, maybe Elizabeth had done something wrong, or Zechariah had done something wrong, and so God had cursed them and not allowed them to have children. Um, But remember in the verse before, we were told they're perfectly righteous. So this is not the issue here. We need to remember that. Now, we know they've prayed, right? Because of what the angel says. They prayed, and the angel tells them he's been heard. But what were they praying for? Probably for a son? Maybe for the Messiah? They're going to get both. Now, Elizabeth was a relative of Mary. And it doesn't say exactly the relationship. Some translations, I think, use the word cousin, but uh, the not all, so it's not that clear. We know that Mary came from the line of Judah, which is interesting because Elizabeth's from the line of Aaron, which has come from Levi. But that's not really hard to explain, right? If, if my, my daughter who just got married, her name is Johnson, if she has kids, those kids might be called, oh, they come from the line of Johnson. Well, but they're still related to me. Right, So that's not too hard to understand for us. So somehow Mary and Elizabeth were related. We don't really know exactly how. It doesn't matter too much. Uh, Zechariah's name, and this is cool, I love this. Zechariah's name means the Lord remembered. That's pretty neat. Because at this point in history, it's been 400 years since the last prophet came to Israel. And all the prophets were prophesying what? the promise of a Messiah to come to save Israel. But now it's been quiet for 400 years. 400 years. You know, 400 years ago for us were the pilgrims to Plymouth in 1620. That's 400 years. A lot's happened, right? And a lot had happened for Israel in that 400 years. A lot. What what kinds of things had happened? Oh, um, exile, return from exile, wars, the desecration and destruction of the temple, the rebuilding of the temple, um, the, the Maccabean War, this, this other false messiah, a lot of stuff had happened. The Pharisees came into being. Um, so it was a busy time, but God had been quiet for 400 years. But Zechariah means the Lord remembered. Pretty cool. So... The scripture says that Zechariah and Elizabeth were blameless and righteous, the same kinds of words used for Enoch, Noah, and Job. Not that they were absolutely sinless. I'm not claiming that. But they were faithful believers, right? They trusted God. They trusted His promises. And they lived according to the law. Now, the act of burning incense in the temple, that was Zechariah's duty. That was what he was on the job for that day. But we can presume, I think fairly, with real seriousness... That he, didn't, that he did that with purpose and, and not as an empty ritual, okay? It's probable that some priests did it with, as an empty ritual, but, but I don't think Zechariah was that kind of priest. Incense burning symbolizes prayers. I don't know if you knew that, but when the incense goes up in the, in the air of the temple, it symbolizes our prayers going up to God. And so, and it also says in the text here that even while he was burning the incense, the people are outside praying, okay? So there's the, 
there's the analogy of the prayers, the incense itself, and then, then there's the actual prayers going up as a, as a pleasing aroma to God, as a fragrance really to Him. So we can see that Zechariah and Elizabeth were believers, right? In a general sense, faithful, faithful believers. But then Gabriel comes. Gabriel himself comes and Zechariah reacts as most people react when they see an angel. He was afraid, and that makes sense. You would reasonably be afraid when a powerful and glorious being from heaven shows up unannounced. But Gabriel also responds, as angels often do, and he says, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. Now, that's pretty neat. But then, Zechariah, like Abraham and Sarah before him, they quest, he questioned, how, how could this be? We're old. It's past time for us. Mm, are you sure? And Gabriel rebuked, rebuked him. This is so strong. Gabriel says, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. Behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. What did Gabriel not do? He didn't revoke the promise, right? That was set. That was going to happen. And it wasn't dependent on Gabriel, on Zechariah's specific, uh, specific behavior that day. Zechariah was a faithful believer, but he, he wasn't ready for that specific promise on that day. This blameless and righteous man, faithful in believing, he's visited by an actual angel and doesn't believe what the angel says. What did Zechariah believe? He believed that God brought Israel through the Red Sea. He believed that God gave them the land. He believed that He restored them from exile after punishing them. He believed the promise of the prophets. And now what is he doing? He's waiting. He's praying for the fulfillment of the promise. He's looking forward to the Messiah. But when the angel comes to tell him, it's here, it's time, Zechariah doesn't believe him. So I call this general belief with specific unbelief. And, and he is he's a faithful man, but when it comes down to the specifics, he's not ready to engage. If a faithful priest like Zechariah can have this problem, could you and I? Yeah, yeah. Let's think about some things we might believe in the general but fail to really embrace in the specific. Do you believe that everyone is guilty before God, but you're not sure that your sins are really all that bad? Do, do you believe that Jesus loved us enough to die for us, to save sinners, but you don't believe that He loves you enough to save you? Or maybe you think your sins are so bad that He can't deal with that. Do you believe that Jesus redeems lost lives, but you don't believe that He can redeem yours? Hmm. Do you believe that Jesus commands us to make disciples in this world, but you don't consider your neighbor as being part of that command, really? Do you believe that Jesus can heal relationships, but you don't believe He can heal yours? So, brothers and sisters... God wants general belief. He absolutely does. Without faith, it's impossible to, believe, to please Him. But God wants us to trust Him in the specifics too. He wants us to trust Him 
with our lives, with our problems. He wants us to trust Him with our obedience. He wants us to be specific with Him, to pray, to ask, and to trust. Remember, your prayers of specific faith are fragrant incense to Him in heaven. He hears us, and He loves to hear us. The second point I want to make is that faith grows in quiet. When Gabriel rebuked Zechariah, he did an interesting thing, a punishment and a blessing, because he told Zechariah that he'd be unable to speak until the day it all came true. This gave Zechariah nine or ten months of quiet, right? It forced him to think deeply about what he believed and what he didn't. He probably prayed more in those months than he ever had in his life. Think about that. If you couldn't speak to anyone, you'd probably spend more time praying. And what a blessing that is, truly. Because while he's sitting back and can't speak, he's silently watching his old wife's belly grow. And he can recognize also the growth of the faith in his own heart because God has given him this quiet space to watch. Watch what I'm doing, Zechariah. Every time he looked at her and could not speak, God was reminding him, I tell the truth. I keep promises. Nothing is too hard for me. You can trust me in every way. And what else? I love you. Because he loves Zechariah. Now, we don't know if Zechariah actually told Elizabeth about all this before she got pregnant. We don't know that for sure. But the first words we see from Elizabeth are deep gratitude to God for remembering her and taking away the shame of her barrenness. She too kept quiet in a way because she hid herself from public for five months with her pregnancy, the first five months. So faith grows in quiet. Do you have quiet in your life? I know in this time, uh, it's hard to have quiet. Everywhere we go, there's the opportunity for noise and input. Uh, Sometimes God, though, enforces a quiet time on us, like he did with Zechariah. He might use a difficult time to grow us. He can, use, he can use relationship problems to make us feel quiet. He can use uh, job losses to calm us down, to quiet us down. And these things feel like, they feel like curses, but they can be blessings, and God can use them. The world is louder than it's ever been. I think that's fair to say. Our phones, our devices, the media that we hear all the time, it's just an absolute constant stream of input into our brains. Some of it's good, much of it is bad. But are you stopping to hear God? Are you stopping? Do you feel like every moment must be filled with some input? Because I think we're training our brains to do that, and, and I think it's a temptation for many of us. I know it is for me. Um, that it, when it gets quiet, it feels like, whoa, something is, something's missing. I feel like I need, I need some kind of input, some kind of stimulus. But no, we, what we need is quiet. If you're not setting aside time to be quiet, to pray and to listen to God, you're missing out. So give God this quiet space. Don't make Him take it from you. Give it to Him. And then recognize, recognize the work and the opportunity If he decides to take something away from you to quiet you down, recognize what that is. Embrace it and ask him to teach you through it and lead you through it. The Spirit, 
The third point here, the Spirit pours out words of faith. This is, uh, this is just an amazing thing that happens in this chapter. There's so much Holy Spirit, very active in this story. And we, uh, when I was drafting all this, I didn't really quite realize what our, our Sunday school topic was going to be this morning. I should have. After doing Sunday school last week, I should have looked ahead one week. But um, very relevant. The Holy Spirit is busy. Gabriel promises Zechariah that his baby John will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from the womb. Isn't that amazing? And we see this as true, because when Mary came to visit Elizabeth, John, inside his mother, recognized Mary and Jesus. How? Simple, by the power of the Spirit. He recognized Mary and Jesus and jumped. At the same moment, Elizabeth, too, was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she declared to Mary... Listen to what she says. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? What is she saying about this baby inside Mary? He is her Lord. He is the promised one to come. Just like when Peter told Jesus, Oh, you're you're the Messiah. You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And, And what did Jesus say to him? Oh, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. Same person who revealed it to Elizabeth by the power of the Spirit. This baby is the Messiah. Amazing. Then the baby comes. And I just love picturing this part of the story. Because the relatives are all there. The neighbors are there. You can just kind of see it's, it's busy. People are chattering. Um, and, it, and it's unusual because she's old too. So there's, there's other stuff to chatter about too. Um, but Zechariah still can't speak. And Elizabeth's being pretty clear about what the name's going to be, but, but the neighbors in the family are saying, ah, this doesn't make any sense, Elizabeth. I think we're going to have to get some confirmation on this. Let's go talk to Zechariah. We'll get Elizabeth straightened out. And what does he do? He writes, obeying the angel, his name is John. Hmm. Wow. Now, this man who hasn't spoken a word for probably almost a year, Suddenly, his mouth is open. He starts blessing God. And and the Scripture tells us that the friends and the family, the neighbors that are there, they're struck with fear. Isn't that interesting? Because he was silent for almost a year, and now he's speaking just after writing these words on the the tablet. And the Scriptures tell us they, they stored these things up in their hearts. They're trying to figure out, what does this mean? And who is this child? What is, the, what is the significance of this? They, they recognize this is power here. And then, then Zechariah, like his son and his wife already, now Zechariah is filled with the Spirit, and he begins to prophesy. And his prophecy reads just like an Old Testament prophet, Isaiah, or any of the other prophets. It, it reads like that. And his, his song is sometimes called the Benedictus because the first word is blessed. It's a song of praise. It's a song of gratitude. It's a song of worship to, this, to God and His promise-keeping ways. He fulfills His name, the Lord remembered, because He declares how God remembered His promise to Israel, to Abraham, to David, and to His people. Moved by the Spirit then, He declares that the very purpose of His Son is what? To prepare the way for the Messiah, the Savior of the world. This is my favorite part here. He says, and you, child... 
will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare His ways, to give knowledge of salvation to His people in the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, and to guide our feet in the way of peace. Wow. He's sitting here under the domination of the Roman Empire, and he doesn't mention anything about politics. It's about the forgiveness of sins. It's about God giving light to people who are lost in darkness. He gets it because the Spirit revealed it to him right in this moment. The Spirit revealed it. I want to conclude briefly if if, uh, the musicians want to step up here. Uh, So let's take Zechariah's words to heart. John was coming for one purpose, to announce the salvation of humanity, to bring forgiveness of sins, to bring light to our darkness and peace to our chaos and despair. That's what Jesus was coming, and John was the one announcing it. So let's learn from Zechariah, too, at the beginning. Let's believe God in the big things, as he did. But let's also believe God in the specific things, as he failed to do, right? And sometimes we fail to do. Let's learn from Zechariah's hard lesson. Let's give God the quiet time to grow our faith. If you don't give it willingly, he may just take it. Let's listen to the Spirit. As he speaks through the prophets, as he gives us all of the words that were inspired by the Spirit in this book, we can read. But let's also in our private time, in our quiet time, let's pray, let's send up our prayers of fragrance to him, and let's stop and listen and quietly Ask for him to teach us what he would teach us, to show us what we, would, what we should do. Ask him to move us in obedience and grace today.